So instead of having a, I say maybe a more elongated sermon, um, I was just thinking about uh, looking at the Queen's life and actually looking at the scriptures, what the Bible says about her example, and looking at that as sort of a uh, more of a reflection, if that makes sense. You'll, you'll, you'll get the word, don't worry. You know, get some scriptures in there, but sort of a, a reflection on her life and the impact that she's had on people. And I was, I was thinking, and throughout the course of her reign, um, Queen Elizabeth II spoke frequently about her personal faith, about her personal Christian faith, I should say. And in delivering her first Christmas address in 1952, uh, a tradition which was started by her grandfather, King George V, the Queen requested prayer for her upcoming coronation. And I think realizing the weight of what she was about to do, the weight of, of what that role meant, she recognized that there was no way that she could do this by herself. And so turn to the only one, the only one that could truly sustain her, truly empower her, truly give her the strength and the hope that she needs. And so, and she said this, this is what actually the queen said. She said, I want to ask you all, whatever your religion may be, to pray for me on that day. She said further, to pray that God may give me wisdom, that God may give me strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making, and that I may faithfully serve him, you, all the days of my life. See, she was sold out for serving the one true king, serving Jesus. And even though she was a queen uh, here, she, could, she, she never took that lofty position. She never ascended herself above the one true king. She always recognized that there was someone higher and greater than her. And that person was Jesus. And even though she was one of the most recognizable and celebrated leaders for more than 70 years, the queen demonstrated what it meant to keep one's faith personal, one's faith relational, one's faith private, but also very public, inclusive, and also very compassionate. All of that while serving in a global capacity under the eyes and the scrutiny of the world, she still kept her faith. She stayed strong, never wavering. And you know what? The faith of, of the majesty was more than just a, um, like a byproduct of polite politics. It was more than just a fabrication to, to make nice or adhering to historical traditions. During her reign, she, um, she spoke clearly about the need and the importance of her faith, what it meant to her, and she recommended it to all those that she served. And so tonight I just want to touch on three things, and the first point that I really want to look at is, is um, some of those broadcasts that she would say, the Christmas ones and the Easter broadcasts, and actually the weight of what those carried. And I was moved every time, and also very inspired by the way she became more and more confident and more explicit in the way she was articulating her faith in those broadcasts. 
And I was reading about this, and actually many commentators, many theologians, would also uh, comment on the fact that she's very bold in what she would say in those broadcasts. And that those messages uh, pointed all to Jesus, all to Jesus, the anchor of her life. In the year 2000, the Queen said this, she said in her Christmas broadcast, to many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. But for me, the teachings of Christ and my own, my own personal accountability before God provides a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. In the same year, in her Easter message, she, wrote, she says this, this Easter, I mean, sorry, in 2020 actually, not this year, in 2020, in her Easter message, in that COVID period, she says this, this year, Easter would be different for many of us, but by keeping apart, we keep others safe. But Easter isn't canceled. Indeed, we need Easter as much as ever. As darkness falls on a Saturday before Easter day, many Christians who normally light candles together. It's a way of showing how the good news of Christ's resurrection has been passed on from the first Easter by every generation until now. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope, fresh purpose, and we can all take heart from it. You see, even as a, as a head, her words, her, the way she was speaking, pointed clearly to something greater than her. She wasn't afraid to talk about the crucifixion. She wasn't afraid to talk about the resurrection, the risen Jesus, the one who brings hope, the one who gives life, the one who sustained her. She wasn't afraid to talk about Jesus as the bedrock, the foundation upon which she acts out her faith. On national TV, impacting millions of people, millions listening to the broadcast, and not just in the UK, but all across the world. She used every chance she had, every opportunity afforded to her to share the message of Jesus. Her faith in Jesus enabled her to share that message so gently, a message full of hope, full of love, full of life, a message of new beginnings. <clears throat> and we're gonna have it on the screens in a minute. Um, my first scripture for the, for the night, and we read in Revelations 14, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. And as the queen rests with her maker, as she rests with Jesus, as she's in glory with Jesus, and of course, as we grieve the loss of the queen, we don't have to grieve as those who, haven't, who have no hope, but rather we can grieve as a people who are confident in Jesus. We are confident in Christ. We are confident in what he mean, who he is, and we can trust fully and completely in him. The queen spoke of this again and again and again and again, the hope Jesus, the hope 
of life, the one who gives true life, the one who brings us back from death to life, the one in whom our whole life belongs. And it's the same for those that we know who have gone to glory, those who have run the good race, those saints that have persevered, that have served and have been faithful to Christ and have received the crown of glory. We can rest confidently that actually they have run that good race. Like the queen, they have paid their dues, that they have done their deeds, <clears throat> that their legacy will follow. The impact that she has doesn't stop now that she's dead. The impact that she has will continue and will leave a trail, a legacy. In the second Timothy, verse, chapter 4, verses 7 to 8, we read this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Our queen has run her race. She has done all that she could. She persevered. She fought the good fight. Every chance that she could to share her faith that people would know Jesus. That people through her messages would be impacted, changed and recognise the true living God. Jesus himself. My third point in um, finishing my reflection is my wife and I like watching, um, we, like, we like the Narnia books. I don't know if you've read the Narnia books or, or J.R. Tolkien, you know, Lords of the Rings. Um, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, both amazing Christian authors. And, and we love the Narnia books and, and the films. Um, and I remember that these authors, again, none more so than C.S. Lewis, have a way of writing stories about death in such a moving and, and an exemplifying way that translate in such beautiful writing. These, these arts of literature, these books, they're so full of, of, talk about death, but about a better tomorrow. And for those who like the Lords of the Rings, there's this phrase, talks about a far greener country. And in the novel, The Last Battle, uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia, there is a scene in which, uh, in, in the book, where the children are speaking to Aslan, and before they meet with Aslan, they had to watch their sister Susan disappear. But in that part afterwards, there's the children meet with Aslan, and Aslan turns to them, and this is what Aslan says. He says to the children, he says, you do not yet look so happy as I mean you to be. And Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away, Aslan. We're so afraid of being sent away. And you have sent us back into our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? And we read that their hearts leaped for joy and there was a wild hope that arose within them. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you, as you used to call it, are in the Shadowland. 
you're dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. And this is the morning. And as he spoke, he, Aslan that is, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their lives in the world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read. The story which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better and greater than the one before. And you see, there is something about the scriptures, the queen and those authors, and they all share something in common. We can live in hope. We can live in complete hope in Jesus, in all that he's done for us, the cross, the resurrection. We can live in complete hope. And we can live in complete joy. And we can live in complete confidence that Jesus is never far away. That he is here, present with us at all times. And this is the hope that the Queen offered to the nation. This is the hope that Jesus offered to me. The hope that he offered to all of us. And this is the hope that we as disciples go and offer to those who don't know Jesus. We offer hope everlasting. We offer life everlasting. We offer to them Jesus saying, come and let those who are thirsty come. Let all who wish to take the free gift of the water of life come. Come and receive Jesus. This is what the Queen was trying to say all along in his messages. Come and know Jesus. Come and know Jesus. Let us pray.